and welcome to episode number 70 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Mertidis at Jason Mert on Twitter. Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter. Sportsology.com. You go there, you read all the new stuff. What's the new stuff on Sportsology.com? I know you've been busy, Russ. I have been busy. Uh, I, I put up some some little scouting trip stuff, and I'm working on an article on a prospect named Elias Cohen who uh, plays for the Erie Otters, happens to have my last name, so wanted to see and hear more about him. So maybe that'll be up today. All right. Do you have a number 70 uh, player that wore 70 in the NHL for us? Ole Tevardovsky. Wow. Man, you are digging deep. I love it. We're going to get into some interesting numbers in the upcoming episodes. But Ross, we got a ton to get into here, Ross. Tons to get into around the NHL. Deadline day is Monday at 3 o'clock. A lot of deals have already kind of happened. I want to kind of get your assessment on a bunch of these deals. Did these, uh, did these deals improve these teams' chances in the Stanley Cup playoffs? We've discussed so many times how I feel about deadline time, and uh, I share the, the sentiment that uh, Brian Burke, the former GM of many teams, has that this is an inflated uh, price for oftentimes not a lot of uh, not a lot of help that it can really provide you. But let's kind of sure. get into some of these deals, and I want to get uh, your thoughts on some of the guys that are still out there. Will they be dealt? Who are they likely to go to? And that kind of thing. We'll look at the standings in this episode. I want to get some thoughts from you on Hockey Week in America and what happened 40 years ago on Friday with the miracle on ice. And by the way, next week we'll talk to Jim Craig. How about yeah, that, that's Russ? Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I've interviewed him once before, though, and he is a great guy. He, I was he really on, is. I was on the junket for the movie Miracle, and I got I was in New York for like a special Disney screening. So a bunch of the guys were in the room, and then a bunch of the actors were were in the room after them. So it was an amazing thing. I I still have the audio from that. Well, let's actually just start there real quick because, okay. yeah, Jim will join us coming up uh, next week. So we'll have him on the next episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. But um, it, so it's 1980 and everybody knows the game was tape delayed because it actually happened at five o'clock. Right. Team USA tried to move the game to prime time, but the Russian team said, no, it's going to be four in the morning in Russia. We wanted it right. at one in the morning in Russia. So it was ultimately tape delayed. But in 1980, Russ, you know this, we didn't have Twitter. Nobody knew the result. <laughs> so you no. could hide that kind of thing. Yep. So that, that's one of the other levels of intrigue with it. Um, but, what you, I mean, you remember it. I remember when oh, yeah. it happened. I was eight years old, so I didn't understand the true impact or political implications of it. But what it did for USA Hockey going forward is, is pretty incredible and in how it really kind of legitimized American players. And what it also did was it made enrollment in USA Hockey go through the roof. Yeah, I mean, I was 17, so I, I knew everything. I knew politically. I, I had a good idea of what the team was about. I had a good idea how the other teams were, how Trey Jack was. Uh, so much so that I bet my brother uh, on the just on the U.S.-Russia game, 20 bucks. Wow. Which, which in today's currency would be about $62. And he took Russia. I took the U.S. He's three years older than me. So I think he felt like he was probably swindling me like most older brothers do. And I have the la I got the last laugh on that. But I bet it based on the fact of really just being patriotic and hopeful. There was no way I bet it on the fact that I knew it was a lock because I'd be a liar if I said that. I mean, even Al Michaels just said recently when he was doing the broadcast, he felt like they weren't going to win before the game started. Like, you know, the odds were against them. Oh, big time, yeah. I mean, look, think about it. That Russian team 
was a professional team of men yes. that played together for not a season, but decades, essentially, and trained yeah, if together. If you've you know, seen the Red Army movie, then you really get a sense yeah. for how these guys were trained and really inhumanely, too. I mean, it's really crazy what what they would go through. But they were they were they when they were called the Russian machine, they were a machine. I still contend, though, that and we don't we've never, ever gotten a real explanation. Trachiak's never really talked about it. But he was devastated when he was pulled from that game. And I'm telling you, I I don't know if the U.S. wins if he doesn't get pulled. Yeah. Well, the Russian coach said it was the biggest mistake in his lifetime. In history. No, no. In history. history. Yeah. It's amazing because, I mean, Trechiak was unbelievable, but he did give up a couple of bad goals in the game. Whatever. Every goal he does. Yeah. Well, not in that game. He's not supposed to in that game. But, um, you know, obviously the movie was great. And, you know, the portrayal of Herb Brooks, who um, was just by Kurt Russell, was just an amazing, uh, amazing cinematic performance. And sans the cursing, though, Disney didn't allow much or actually any cursing. And really, Herb Brooks cursed a lot. That's the only difference. And Jim will tell you that, too. Yeah. And, and the, the real shame, though, is is that Herb never got to see the movie. He was no. alive for a lot of the production of the movie, but he yeah. never got to see it, which is a shame. It's tragic. And and I one time at MSG, believe it or not, I was standing right behind him. I said hi to him. We were both like getting a pregame meal. But I should have started a conversation and I didn't. And I always regret it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the funny thing, too, is for a game uh, that was so big and so just unbelievable that it wasn't even the gold medal game. <laughs> you know, that's, right. the thing I know. that's incredible. I know. Some people that, forget that. I know. Yeah. You still had to go on and win the, the gold medal game against the Finns. I mean, it's amazing. Yes. And how about Ken Morrow, uh, Russ? He plays in that and, and he wins the gold medal at the Miracle on Ice. And then he joins the New York Islanders and he wins four straight. You could stop it there. Just stop it there. I don't want to hear it. I don't need to relive Ken Morrow. Any of his overtime goals, the few that he had in his career, I don't need to know any of it. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're getting salty. Um, amazing stuff and Hockey Week across America. Although I'll tell you this, he should be a Hall of Famer. I have no idea why he's not. Yeah, well, he played on a, an absolute juggernaut of a team, a team that was just unreal. I mean, for those four years, those Islander teams were as good as you'll ever find and yeah. deep as you'll ever find. Amazing stuff. Um, but, yeah, we celebrate uh, the Miracle on Ice 40 years ago and the gold medal, which happened a couple of days later uh, here at Hockey Week across America. So let's get into the trade season. Uh, Russ, so much to get into. There's been some deals already. The Flyers traded uh, J.F. Berube for future considerations. What can they expect to get out of future considerations and what number will he wear <laughs> <laughs> who knows um they got thomas mccollum which he really can't play anymore i mean that's he is just like basic as basic can be forget that he was a first round pick forget that he kept the entire media waiting when he was drafted last in the first round by the detroit red wings and kept us waiting like a half hour like he forgot that we were there all of a sudden somebody's <laughs> like it was really funny um but Berube was gotten for at least one reason. When Shesterkin got called up, Hartford needed a goalie. Like, Hartford's yep. a good team. So that's a good trade for them. Now, we are the, the interesting part of this is we will now have to wait and see what the requirements will be for a goalie, how many games you need to either play in, the, in an NHL season the year before expansion or in your career 
the year before expansion because Berube's played like 34 NHL games, something like that. I looked it up. And if they say, hey, you got to play 40 in your career or 40 total or something to be in the expansion, then he's going to probably play six games for the Rangers so they could carry the three goalies and not lose the two. One of the – well, Shesterkin's not exempt, but – he is exempt rather, but Georgiev, you don't want to lose him. Yeah, in an expansion if, draft. If they don't trade him, and all of a sudden you well, look at the Rangers, I don't think they're trading them. I don't yeah. think it's happening. Well, I mean, you look at the Rangers right now; they got sixty-six points. They're creeping back into the equation here in the Eastern Conference, behind Shosturkin. I mean, they're slightly creeping. I, I can't give them a ton of play yet, but Shosturkin is definitely giving them a lot of confidence and. Julian, you know, we'll talk about that Julian Gauthier trade. He almost scored the other night. Like that trade, I don't know. I could give you an idea of what I think Carolina was thinking when, when we get to that. But anyhow, with this Barubi trade, right now it fills a need, but it could fill a further need in the expansion year. Yeah, and it also filled a need for the Flyers to kind of get a guy out of the way so they could bring up Ustamenko, Correct. who's been shredding the East Coast League uh, with the Reading yep. Royals. Um, so he's up. He's got another good uh, good goalie in the pipeline for the Flyers. It's not just Carter Hart. No. And good goalies in your system are what they call great currency. Yeah, and Sandstrom's there, too. I mean, we don't want to forget about him. Yeah, he struggled a bit, but yeah, you're right. But, but I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in, yep. in a couple of years. Goalies go up and down. They do. Yep, no question about it. Um, real quick, let's uh, while we're at the standings, real quick, and I brought up the Rangers. Are you ready to call me Jason Nostradamus Mertidis? For what reason? Um, for the reason of the three teams that I pointed out that were going to struggle to make the playoffs, all have plummeted in the last since our last episode and beyond. The Columbus Blue Jackets have lost seven straight. I gave you the reasons why I didn't think they were real. Carolina was a team that I thought could get into the mix, but didn't love them because of the goaltending. And the New York Islanders in that schedule. Remember I brought up that they blew that game against Washington with a two-goal lead in the third period, and then they, they benched Barzell, and things were a little off in New York. They can't yeah. score, Russ. Right, but that's why the trading deadline's happening. I mean, yeah, But can again, they accomplish? They, they have scores on their not, team. You are not Nostradamus because – Carolina and the Islanders have two games in hand on the Flyers. So that's four potential points if you want to count them as wins or three if you want to count a, you know, a win and a, and a loser point. I can't go there. Now, Columbus is definitely in trouble, but we knew they were in trouble anyhow with the guys they lost. I'm not sure anything could course correct them other than guys just coming back from injury. So that well, Seth one, Jones is out for the re- remainder of the regular season, so correct. I think it's sayonara for that team. Well, I mean, they have – moves they can make i mean they have plenty of cap space it's just a matter of if they do so so that could be a death knell for columbus but again and when we eventually talk about the game they played a pretty spirited game last night so i can't count them dead yet but hey you know what pretty good picking by you look i picked the rangers to make the playoffs this year if somehow they come back and win i'll be shocked because i really didn't think it was possible well at this point I mean, the amazing thing is, and, and I, I got to go into this at some point about the standings, but the amazing thing is, is the Flyers are now within five points of both the Capitals and the Penguins for the top spot in the Metro, and the Caps are plummeting right now. I think they're going to course correct here eventually. This is just that spot in the season for them. But, that, I mean, the Flyers are five points back of the top spot in the division. It's, it's incredible. Do you have any CBD in the house? CBD oil? Anything. Any at your disposal? It seems like you do. 
Because I'm telling you, if you think the Flyers are anywhere in the league with the Caps and the Penguins, then have some more CBD because I don't know what you're thinking. No, I, I, I think they're clearly a notch below that. Um, yes. Not to say that they can't beat them in a game. I, you no, know, I, that's, I know, one yeah. game is one thing. A series is another. We'll eventually get into that. But right now, one game is one thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that, and, and they are in that second tier of NHL teams. Yes. The Caps and the Penguins are in that top tier, along with Boston and Tampa Bay in the Eastern yes. Conference. And then you have the you know the Flyers in a, in a tier, and then I think they may be the only team in that tier, that second tier in the Eastern Conference, because Toronto's not in that second tier. Columbus obviously isn't, Carolina isn't, New York isn't. And Toronto the could be, though. Toronto could be, if, um, when they get Makayev back, and if they get another defenseman to plug the hole, they could be. Yeah, they, they've been really disturbing to me. I lately. know, I uh, know, but there's just, still 20 games left for them. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And the one thing with them is, and you see it with Freddie Anderson now, Russ, you see that uh, he's had some pretty poor performances. And I, I don't blame Freddie Anderson. I think it's a product of his environment where – I do all, too. I mean, when you have to scramble behind that blue line and that team defense, eventually – tendencies in your game start to happen because you don't trust the guys around you to pick up a guy on the back door or play a two-on-one correctly and, and then you have to cheat and when you cheat you die yeah i i feel bad because like their defense stinks now i think they helped their defense a little bit five on five by getting malgan i do because mm. i think he he's he doesn't make mistakes and he's a better takeaway guy compared to giveaway so that that improves their team defense which has to improve i mean that's one of those things that you know you forget we all look at the blue line for improvement but they have a lot of forwards that just don't play defense right yeah Nylander, you know is 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 a perfect example so i look at that and i say all right well that's that's a slight change that may help like they beat pittsburgh the other night so that's you know that's maybe going to be a product of that we'll see i don't know if mal well, after played. pittsburgh beat the hell out of them yeah 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 and, and they did and and so that was a revenge game so they so they showed some life in that one i think the worry here about anderson is because i'm looking it up he's at 46 games they have 20 games left he played 60 last year he was at 66 dead red with babcock because babcock didn't care it's a possibility he's, he's going to go over 60 again if he does he could be worn down for the playoffs. Like that's not a great recipe. Well, they did. They did make the trade for Jack Campbell, and they did. Gone, but it still doesn't mean, yeah, you know, when things get tight, that they're going to use Campbell in some of these big games. Yeah, just back to backs, perhaps, and things right. are already tight. Um, we, yeah. we saw the Penguins already get, make their move. We talked about it with uh, sending Galchenyuk and Addison in the conditional first round pick for Zucker, and Zucker's paid dividends there pretty quickly he's a guy now, and now that's one where you have to eat some crow yeah i do and You're brian right. burke has to eat some crow because that is a deadline deal that will have a huge impact now and going forward yeah but but the thing is and pittsburgh does this repeatedly like they did it with benino they've done it in the yeah. past but the problem is with that theory is they still have Sidney crosby of genny malkin and Chris Letang, and, sure. you know, so it's more supplemental for them. But it even is though Zucker is a big pickup for them both now, and uh, and he's not a rental; he he's got term. No, I know, but aren't deadline deals always supplemental? Like just about all of them are. Yeah, for the well, for I mean, the that's more of a hockey trade for me. When you're getting rid of two players, Galchenyuk and Addison, and picking up a Zucker, that's a hockey trade. That's not just a deadline deal to me. Uh, all right, 
I mean, if you want to parse it to to feel better, that's fine. I'm, I'm with a, you. I'm in a parsing move. One of the teams that's been a bit, <laughs> bit active has been the Devils, uh, and they send Andy Green to the Islanders, and they send Blake Coleman to the Lightning. What do you think of these two deals? Well, the interesting thing about the Green deal is we kept hearing that Andy Green wanted to stay in New Jersey, and I think he really did. I think the Islanders may have been the only team he would go to based on his uh, previous experience and relationship with Lou. Yeah. So this is a good trade for the Islanders because it's a 20-minute defenseman. Yeah. Even if he doesn't play the same way he used to, he'll get you occasional points. They're only five-on-five five points, so they're valuable. It's going to be occasional. But he's a 20-minute guy, and he's reliable. So in that regard, that's good because when they lost Pellick, they had to do something. On the Devils' side, yeah, I, I think – I think this was a, a decent deal for them. I do. Yeah, and and they're stripping it down. And could the Devils possibly <laughs> win the lottery again and get? Yeah, of course the they can. Lafreniere. <laughs> so they would have Heischer, Hughes, and Alex Lafreniere. <laughs> if they did that, it would be amazing for that franchise. I'll just say that. Yeah, and Lafreniere just went over. By the way, like 102 points. I know. In 45 games, <laughs> he's. Amazing. I know, and, it's, and so like. I'm glad people finally shut up about asking me, could Byfield possibly move into that first spot? I'm, I'm glad we all realize now that it is impossible. Yeah, that's not happening. Not no, happening. It wasn't ever happening, but uh, I was questioned for the first couple months of this year for sure. One of the other teams that's stripping it down uh, has made a couple of deals, uh, including uh, uh, Alec Martinez the other day, but the Kings trade Tyler Toffoli to the Canucks. And to me, this is the Canucks uh, rewarding their players for giving them way more than they thought they were going to get this year and rewarding that fan base in their 50th anniversary, picking up Toffoli. Well, I think the coach also had to make, not the coach, the GM, Jim Benning, had to make this trade because I think his job depended on it. And Besser went down. Yeah, Besser went down. We don't think he's coming back this year. Uh, he has to make the playoffs. Like that's pretty much the Aquilino brothers pretty much made that clear. They're expecting to make the playoffs. So based on that injury, this is the only way he could sort of do that. I think the price is steep. Tyler Madden, I think, is going to be a second line center in the NHL in the next two years. He is the son of John Madden, by the way. He is the son of John Madden, okay. and he can play center. He is playing center right now. I know some may think he's going to play wing. I think he'll play center because I like what I've seen the last two years on him face-off-wise, speed-wise. If people are going to continue to tell me he's 155 pounds, you know, I'll shoot back and I'll say, well, let's see, 155 pounds. There's Johnny Goudreau. There's Sam Gerrard. There's Jack Hughes. You know, there's a guy 169 pounds yesterday, Nate Gerby, took down a guy that was six foot three. I don't want to hear about 155 pounds, okay? Yeah. Tyler Madden has a lot of talent. And this is a tough one because Canucks fans know Madden is a really good player. Now, Toffoli's a good player. He's not what he was, but he's, you know, he's got to score for them. If he doesn't and he's like a Louis Erickson, it's going to hurt. Well, here's the thing, too. With Besser out, Toffoli's going to get more opportunity. Yes, no question. And, and that could make the trade. And he still has a great different. shot. Yeah, he really does, yeah. Um, The Capitals, what do we think of them, the acquisition of Brendan Dillon, who they get from San Jose? Brilliant. I mean, they – I think it's a great move. I I agree with you. They were slagging a little. I think it's mostly because of Ovi and trying to get the 700. I know there's a big thing going around that Keith Jones has jinxed him. I'll buy that. It's fine. Um, But eventually, Ovi will get the 700. He's at 699. But this does shore up their defense for the playoffs. And I think now they've got tremendous depth. I think they – have a chance to go right to the finals, get 
right to the Stanley Cup like I predicted. This is a great move. They got the second best defenseman on the trade market. Okay. Well, Alec Martinez goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. That bolsters their blue line. Yep. Uh, another good move for them. And uh, he scored yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pickup for them, for, for sure. Um, let, let's get to some of the guys that are still out there and where. I the do want to give one more there. one more note because I'll forget. Okay. Staying on the Martinez thing, he was traded from L.A. You know, Gabe Bellardi, who had been battling injuries, was the 11th overall pick in 17, I think. Um, finally got to play his first NHL game, and he scored on his first shift. Wow, not bad. That's and how they you needed do it. that, but they they have centers now that teams could only dream about. They have Velarde, they have Madden, they have Rasmus Kupare, and they have Alex Turcotte. That's pretty good. That's a good first NHL game. Still not as good as Al Hill in his five points back in 1977. (laughs) And he scored on a 40-foot slap shot 36 seconds into the game. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. Velarde's was a wrist shot, but it was pretty far away, too. I, I dare say it was probably 35 feet. You get there and you go, man, this league's easy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, some of the names on the board. Right at the top of the uh, TSN trade bait board is, of course, Chris Kreider. Uh, there's been some conversations in New York with Jeff Gordon, perhaps extending him. I, I believe Kreider will be moved. What is the compensation and where are the likely landing spots? Is Colorado a good landing spot for Chris Kreider? Yeah, I think I think he's going to get moved to. I have felt that for about three, four days. I, I mentioned it on Sirius early in the week. I felt like if the deal was going to be done, it'd be done already. I think Colorado is in on it, but they also have a goalie situation where now Grubauer seems to be out a little bit longer than they thought. So I think they're going to have to make sure they get a goalie before they really invest in Kreider. So I think I think Joe Sackick's going to be real busy. I like Pavel Francouz, but you know I don't know if he's ready to go on a cup run. So based on that, they've got to get somebody that's out there for that. But I do think they're going to be in on Kreider. And a guy like Connor Timmons, a, a really fast, highly skilled offensive defenseman with some size, he's about 6'2", uh, is a very enticing piece for any team, let alone the Rangers. So I think they'll be in it, and I think Boston will be in it. I think those are the two main ones. There's always going to be another team we hear about. Now, the Islanders, you know, the fourth period reported the Islanders have inquired. I would say there's a 0% chance the Rangers trade with the Islanders to give Kreider. Now, if Kreider signs in the offseason with the Islanders, because he wants to stay in New York, that's not impossible. But I think it's impossible that the Rangers are going to deal him to the Islanders. I, yeah. I just don't I don't ever envision that happening in any world. So I'm going to just go back to those other two teams. I think it's going to be a first-round pick in this draft, not a 2021. So 2020 first-rounder, I think it will be a conditional third that can go up to a first. If he like resigns. Yeah. If he resigns or a second that goes to a first. Either way, it's, we're parsing. And then – Either a very top prospect where a guy that's ready for the NHL and hasn't made it or a really good roster player and possibly a lower level prospect. If, if it goes to the roster player and the roster player is like a, a midline guy, then, you know, like maybe like a second line guy than that. Otherwise, that's what he's going to get. He's going to get a huge haul. Uh, it won't be the Adam Oates, Adam Oates, one, two, three haul. Nobody does that in the cap world, but it's going to be close. Boy, that's a steep price to play, pay for a rental. You better be sure that you're gonna. He's gonna put you over the top. That, that's that's the, my case in point right there. Yeah, and, no and Kreider always leaves me wanting more. Well, he he does. Except this year, he's been really good. I think that's why the Rangers sort of rolled the dice on this. But they they rolled snake eyes, man. They he's yeah. having a great year, and and now they lost the leverage on that. 
I I would still want him on any team, even if it's for the playoffs, because again, my hope is we win it all and then he comes back. Yeah, because yeah. he wants. And if it's Boston, he's probably coming back anyhow. If it's Colorado, then you have to probably win it all to have him come back. But you know, you're talking about a a second line impact guy that even if he's not scoring everything right away, is still physical and fast. Like there's yeah. always going to be things he can do for you on the ice. So. That's why he's the number one guy out there. Yeah, he's a bit of a unicorn at that size and that speed and with those yes. hands. No question. Uh, quick landing spot for uh, these three players. Sammy Vatanen uh, from the Devils, J.G. Pajot, and Ilya Kovalchuk. Well, initially Pajot to the Penguins made sense, but clearly that's not in the cards now. Uh, you know, Pajot's an interesting one. I have to think that maybe – I don't know. I, I don't. I'm just trying to think what would be a natural landing spot. I don't think the Flyers have the or want to give up the kind of assets it would take for a Peugeot. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that. Uh, I think Vancouver getting to Foley probably takes them out of it. I. But maybe you know, if the Colorado doesn't land, if Colorado Ryder, doesn't doesn't yeah. land Kreider, that could be a very good spot for him. Or what about the uh, Islanders with Peugeot? Islanders with Pajot is a definite possibility. They could definitely use that. Uh, will Lou pay the high price of a rental? Mm, I don't know. He did it with he he did it with um, Green because he knows Green. So that's that's a little risky. But the Islanders could really use him. I mean, you, you, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, but the thing is with the Islanders, does Lou feel like his team with that additional player can make a run? I don't know. And could that's a team a like part. now could a team like Florida do it? Uh, they're not looking for D, though, and they're looking to shed their own guy in Vinny Trocek. Well, but maybe this is a part of it. Maybe they shed Trocek for Pajot and then put Pajot up for a D, and maybe they reflip him, yeah. you know, like yeah. like an NBA deal. That could happen. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What about Goldberg? And I was just going to say, sorry, um, maybe with Trocek, just because he's having a down year, you have to throw a pick into that. But I think Florida might be willing to do that because Pajot is a hot commodity. Kovalchuk, I know I hear Boston rumblings, but if they get Kreider, I can't see them going for him. Uh, I could see Islanders, perhaps, because Lou did deal with him once, and he did well for him. I could also see the Canadians just keeping him. Yeah. If, if they think they could sign him for next year, because that's just what they're going to do. I don't know how much of an impact guy he'll be. I mean, he's I know a power he's, play guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean... The game changes in the playoffs. He's had one good playoff in his career. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if and I agree. Speed go crazy. in the playoffs, Russ, is ridiculous. That's not his strong suit. Um, no. Let me ask you real quick about um, uh, Joe Thornton. Is is there a chance he could head back across the country to Boston? No, I don't think so. I, I really, I, I think the potential narrative, especially when you're dealing with places like Barstool Sports, as an example, could be really ugly. Like, you know, Joe comes back. Well, you didn't win anything last time. Now, we, you know, we're hoping he, we can win with Joe now. And then let's say they don't win. Then Joe gets kicked twice, right? Yeah. He gets kicked again and blamed again for them not winning. I'm sure he's keenly aware of that and probably at this point in his life doesn't want to deal with that. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I'm sure the guys would love him, and I'm sure he would love playing with those guys. They're a great team. But I think that other narrative keeps him away. I think if he goes anywhere, it's Toronto. I think they're the natural lore. They tried to get him before. But does Joe Thornton really want to go anywhere? Well, I, that's the thing. He's got to figure I don't that out. think he really does. 
I think he's going to have to be convinced, but I mean really convinced. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, let me two more guys here real quick, and they're both in regards to the Flyers. Um, anybody on this list that you like that the Flyers should target? Trocheck is that a guy? His stock is a little down. He had that horrible injury last year to the ankle. Um, he's only got 10 goals now this season. Had a great one the other night, by the way. Uh, waiting for it to get down below the bar so he could hit it out of the air. Tremendous hand-eye coordination. Um, and he's still got two years left on his deal at 4.75. And Shane Goss is bare. I'm a fan of Trocek, and I Me think too. <laughs> this has just been a year that hasn't been great, but I've I've watched him since junior. So the problem with this deal is the health of Shane Gostaspear. And now playing in a couple games in Lehigh, those games will be highly scouted. If he doesn't look super fantastic, I don't know if anybody's rolling the dice on Shane Gostaspear. I think that's just a fact. Is, they there, can't is afford- there a chance he's played his last game with the Flyers, though? And just doesn't play the rest of the year? No, I mean, he's either dealt or, I mean, look, if he had a setback, you could LTIR him and bring him back for the playoffs and use that cap space now because the playoffs are uncapped. Right. I. And would I you don't... insert him now anyway with the way this D is playing? <laughs> a lot of questions. Uh, I'll attempt to answer them all. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think the first one is he's going to have to agree to be LTIR, which I don't know if he really will be very agreeable about that at this point in time, right? So that's one thing. Now, maybe if he gets beaten down over the weekend, that'll change. If he holds his own, then he's not going to be LTIR'd. And then it's just a matter of, will Vigneault play him? And then if a team will risk it on him. It's a risk. Like, right now, yeah. this is the worst time to trade for Shane Gosses, but I think we could all agree, agree to that. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And to me, I mean, look, the season just got away from him. He's got five goals. It's amazing that the Flyers lead the NHL in goals from defensemen, and he's got five. I mean, it, you, you know? that is amazing. And, <laughs> like, I don't think – I mean, look, I know in the summer we said we didn't think he would be a fit with Vigneault, but you never know, right? You watch him play, and you never know what happens. Coaches change. He has not been a fit with Vigneault. We were right about that. I don't think he's looked comfortable for a second. Do you? No, no. He hasn't looked like uh, – he looks like he's been thinking on the ice when he is on the ice. Correct. And, and, and we all know that's a huge problem. Trocheck, though, you think the Flyers should be interested in that player? Depending, I, I th- obviously, the Nolan Patrick situation? I, I think if they – I mean, again, here's my thinking. Is Vincent Trocheck going to get me out of the first round if I face Pittsburgh? And I don't know how the things are going to fa- match up yet. I haven't really looked at it. But just – if it's Pittsburgh, is that going to match up? I'm not making the trade. Because yeah. if I think I'm going to play Pittsburgh, I am not going to give up potentially like Isaac Radcliffe and have, because they're going to have to retain money, right, and somebody else to get him. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because it's going to be just too much of a drain on me down the road. Now, if I feel like a franchise that he can get me over the hump, well, then I might give them – Walensky and and Radcliffe or even Hogg and Radcliffe and then Walensky might have to get called up or Friedman you know Friedman has looked good at times maybe they are he is starting to settle in they might have to roll the dice on that that is a big question though and so if it's me I don't I don't make the deal because the assets are too high for the potential reward but by the way uh in the game uh, a Thursday night against Columbus, the play of both Sanheim and Myers to me 
was great. Was, wasn't it? I, I mean, I tweeted out, Russ, I go, watching these two guys cover the 200 by 85, the way they skate is like two gazelles on skates. It's unbelievable how much real estate those two can cover. Yeah, there's no question. And, and, and the play that Myers wiped out Borkstrand when he had a, maybe a half a step on him was pretty great. So I was the, the athletic accomplishment in that play is unbelievable. Yes, I was super impressed. I really was. Um, I will tell you that Kevin Hayes stole from Ty Domi because there's um, yep. I was the at the Ty Domi game where he did the belt, but I still loved it. But I know there's some 20 year olds out there that think that Kevin Hayes is probably the first to do it. He's not. But it still was great. I, I was very happy. And this is why, folks, that Jason and I said Kevin Hayes was a good signing. It's all these other intangibles and these occasional big goals that you'll get from this guy and the improved play from teammates on the ice. Like, we, I know we got killed for a while, and people did not like that signing for months into the season. I mean, they just didn't. Now, the biggest play in that game, though, was what I talked about before, Nate Gerby taking down Sandheim. That, you had to be a fan of that because you're taller than Nate Gerby. There's not that many NHLers that you're taller than. <laughs> well, I didn't even know Nathan Gerby was still in the league. I think the last time I saw him, he was in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, But, no, but, the, but at 5'4", he he's easy to overlook. Pardon yeah, the pun. He, he got called back up. And it was funny because he put a hit on Giroux. And then I guess Sanheim was there. And Gerby just speared him with his head and took him down. And I think Sanheim was like kind of shocked. <laughs> because like here's the one thing i remember when i was like five four i'm only like five nine and a half but when you were that small and i was like feisty and i had to play sports you had a low center of gravity that low center of gravity does help you in that situation so i can't totally kill sandheim like some people did on twitter i think he was surprised well here's the thing you cannot fight a guy who wants to wrestle Right. You know what I mean? He wanted to wrestle because he knows he, he's got no reach and he can't fight Sanheim. So right. he just tackles him, and, and that's what happens there. <laughs> uh, let's, get to the, let's get to some Twitter questions here, uh, people tweeting them in to uh, at Stick to Hockey Pod to give the, the podcast a follow. Also, give us a, a rating and review on Can iTunes. Can I ask you one question before they ask the questions? Sure. My question to you, Jason, is, and this is looking down the line, so pretty, pretty reliably, Brian Elliott has been the road goalie done very well Carter Hart's played a little bit on the road mostly mixed results some good results when playoff time comes who's playing on the road Carter Hart okay yep uh, you know th that was there's one of the a risk that, there, there's yeah. a risk in that now though you realize that well they've they've incurred their own risk and I would have started Carter Hart in that game last night because I would have wanted to give the impression that I was avoiding the road for ah, him see you know yep uh, um, now, I do get why Vino went where he went because Cart has played a lot lately. You do need yep. to keep uh, Brian Elliott uh, sharp, and he is good on the road. So, And you got to look at it and go, i got to field the best team on the ice. I can't play mental games right now when I'm in a, in a dogfight here for playoff positioning with a team. If I can beat them twice in one week, I can steal their heart and sweep them for the season. So right. I get why Vino did what he did. And in the beginning of the game, it didn't look good because Elliott gave up two goals that I didn't like. Right. But as Brian Elliott always does, he's a pro. He settles he in. He made several big saves in that game. Yeah. And once again, and I feel like we've said this a lot, not everybody has really seen it yet, but a lot of smart hockey people have. Elaine Vino has pushed the right buttons on virtually Absolutely. almost every opportunity he's gotten this year he has done i mean you got to start thinking about his name being lumped in there for the jack adams oh absolutely if he 
if he makes the playoffs or even gets into that third spot, he's on my ballot. He, yeah, he has to be. He's done a tremendous job, Ross. He really has. And um, you, you can't even you, you can't say that, too, without giving a tip of the hat to the general manager as well. You look at the, the acquisition of Kevin Hayes. You look at some of the, the moves that he made bringing Brian Elliott back, right? You look at some of the other moves that he made and bring in Niskanen and Braun, how, how they've helped this team. They're, they're giving up a half a goal less per game than they did last year. Yeah, I will give the short-term tip of the cap. I might not give the long-term tip of the cap. Well, yeah, that's to be determined for sure. Um, all right, let's get to some questions. High and Wide Radio tweets in and says, do, you, do the Flyers have a legitimate shot at the first spot in the Metro and potentially a path to the Stanley Cup Finals? Uh, that's Jim, angry Jim. Uh, but I don't think they have a shot to get to the top spot. I think they no. got a lot of tough uh, – still a lot of tough runway on this schedule. And, look, as far as a path to the Stanley Cup Finals, who knows? Yeah, the path you is always going to be murky. I, I will yeah. say it like this. Back in the day when I wasn't doing this job and I would just be rooting as a Ranger fan, I would be rooting for the easiest path. So that meant like Pittsburgh has to somehow get eliminated and that still holds. Right. And so you have to look for a path right now. I don't see the path, but there has to be a major upset, whether they're doing it or somebody else is doing it to help them to help them in the next round if they can get out of the first round. Otherwise, they won't get to the cup. Well, here's the thing. The path every year, there's an upset. Last year, it was Tampa Bay in the first round getting swept. Right. The path changed a lot when that happened. In 2010, when the Flyers went, Yaro Halak was making 60 saves a game for the uh, Montreal Canadiens as an eight seed over the Washington Capitals, and the path changed. Right. So it, it always changes in the NHL. Who yeah. knows what's going to be when that time comes. Right. Uh, Colin tweets in and says, the Flyers are one of the youngest teams in the NHL at an average age of 26.05. Uh, Based on All right, so current. stop it right there. Before we okay. even go any further, that is great that the guy actually knows the average age because that's probably older than what most people think. Because yeah. everybody keeps saying, well, it's a young man's league. Well, is it if the average age is 26? Just a food for thought. Yeah, and th- but, but to that point, he says the Flyers, uh, one of the youngest teams, I think they're the sixth youngest and trending, yeah. obviously, in the right direction. He says, in your opinion, does this team have enough talent to win a cup within five years without a bona fide star like McKinnon or McDavid? Yeah, I don't think you need a McKinnon or McDavid. I, I think Frost could be, you know, somewhere like four or five notches below that. And and I think Farabee, if he continues to improve, I think. This year has been a little up and down. I know people like his all-around play, and that's great. He's always got good all-around play. But at some point, he's got to put more points on the board, and maybe that'll come next year. Uh, I think you know what they have might be enough. So well, I, comp, I think the they, comp is the Kings. I mean, they had Kopitar. You have Kopitar. You have Couturier. He's Kopitar. Right. Yes. Um, he may be even better than Kopitar uh, was in his prime at some point. Couturier, the way he's playing the game these he's days. He's close. He's Very close. close. Yeah, I mean, there's a conversation there. Um, yes. And you have, you know, the ancillary parts. You have the D. Do you have your Dowdy? Not, maybe not Dowdy, but no. uh, Provorov. But I th- yeah. But I think, Pro- well, Provorov, all right. So if we're going to be completely realistic, while the Flyers are playing really well, they're playing really well with Provorov not playing good on defense for like the last three games. Yeah, he's, he's had a lot of turnovers and has struggled a bit. And wall battles turn and giving the puck over in his own zone. And I wonder, and now he, I know he did get a goal, right? But I kind of wonder, has he hit a little bit of a wall or does he have an injury? That's mm-hmm. what makes me wonder about Provorov. But I think this day and age, I don't think you have to have a Drew Doughty. 
I think you just have to have a solid decor that can move the puck. They've got a little size on there too. So if you can have size and speed to move the puck, I think they're fine. So I do think they're in there. I do. I think there is a realistic chance of that happening. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Justin Decker tweets it in and says, if you had to give the Flyers a report card at the three-quarter mark of the season, what letter grade would you give them? And what would you say have been their biggest improvements this year? Well, I'll give them a B-plus right now. I think their their biggest improvements have been – PK, for sure. PK, definitely puck moving on the defense core. Definitely the, the defense scoring has helped them, like in the old Laviolette years. That used to be a big thing. And yeah. Bottom six contribution. And bottom six, they're getting something out of where last year they didn't get anything out of. So, yeah, I think all those things. And goaltending, obviously. I mean, goaltending is better than last year because, you know, they've only had three, right? They used only one other. Yeah, um, Lyon was the only other third goal. Right. Yeah. So that's good. And it's been good. Uh, it hasn't been what probably fans expected because it's hard for a guy like Carter Hart to do that in his second full professional year. But. I think it's been above NHL average, but I don't think it's been super good. But I, everything else has been, and the coach has been. So B plus. Um, Fry tweets in. He says, "Is there a line combination on this team that you could see doing massive damage in the playoffs?" Um, to me, there's two um, that are built for the playoffs. It's that Couturier, Giroux, Voracek line. And b- by the way, Jake Voracek is having a tremendous season. Uh, I think we should. After he's he starting to play some defense last month. Yep. He's plus fourteen. That. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Russ, the thing is, too, is um, after being a little bit in A.V.'s doghouse while learning his new system, he's learned it now and he is playing incredibly well. Yeah, I I saw him make a really good defensive stop in that game late yesterday, which which was unlike Jake of last year. So I think Vigneault has had a really good effect on him. I think any line with Sean Couturier could have massive provide massive damage in the playoffs right now. He is the best flyer. Like, he's the best player on the Flyers. I don't think it's close. He controls the game. Yes. Uh, The other line, too, for me is the the Kevin Hayes line. It just has so much potential as well. It does. His ability in the playoffs. Like, I think he's built to be a playoff player. He's got the perfect amount of sandpaper to him. And um, I think that's another one that's going to be really uh, interesting one to watch throughout the playoffs. And and Travis Konechny is obviously having a career year right now as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chris tweets in and says, do you think Ghost needs a change of scenery? Some guys handle Philly, some guys cannot. Which category do you think he falls into? Kid has talent and definitely cares. Um, a change of scenery is an interesting you know, term, and I, I don't know that I disagree with it. It might be just like, hey, you just need a fresh start. I don't know if change of scenery is the right word or fresh start. No, I think it's fresh start because change of scenery to me denotes that he's having trouble with Philly. He doesn't have trouble with Philly. He's just having trouble with this coach. That's where fresh start, I think. Yeah, but it's been a couple of coaches now. No, but like he hasn't had trouble with Philly, right? He hasn't. It's not like Scott Rowland where he's had trouble in the market dealing with the fans or dealing with the pressure. I don't think it's any of that. No, no, I do agree with you. Absolutely. Um, I had gotten this tweet from a guy, and he was basically saying, um, you know, I put out a tweet. The Flyers beat the Panthers twice last week. It's really difficult to beat a team twice in a week. They beat the mm-hmm. Blue Jackets twice this week. Mm-hmm. And when you're beating teams twice in a week that are both fighting for the playoffs, it's very impressive. It absolutely is. Yep. And this guy, Sean, on Twitter had said, yet they still have a hard time with the bottom feeders. Winners beat everyone. Now, I've gone through and dispelled this myth because 
the Boston Bruins have a one and two record against Detroit, and Detroit yeah. doesn't just stink; they suck. Yeah. Right. They've also lost to the New Jersey Devils. They have about four bottom feeder losses, and they're the best team in the league. The Blues have bottom feeder losses. The Caps lost to the uh, the, the Devils a few weeks ago. They have four bottom feeder losses. Can we? Can, is there a way that we? Is there something we can say? to make some of these fans understand that you're going to have bad losses to bad teams in an 82-game season, and this isn't the same old, same old Flyers of the past seven or eight years? I mean, you just said it. I'm not even going to waste my time. Well, I did it perfectly. You did. I I will say this. The only thing I'll add is be more worried about just slow starts on the road based on the defense sort of like exhaling early. Like, that's what I saw yesterday, too. It wasn't all on Elliott. There were guys that just weren't up to like the challenge early in that in that first period, and that they have to be. They have to be yeah. every game, and it and still on the road once in a while they're not. But other than that, no. I mean, this is all baloney with the guard bottom feeder stuff. Yeah, no question about it. And look, and you knew last night too that you were going to get Columbus's best ten minutes Absolutely. that they had in them, and John Tortorella was going to have them ready to go, and they were ready to go. Yep. That, that's no question. The way it is. Yep, absolutely. All right, that's going to put a lid on episode number 70 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Once again, everybody, subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. Russ loves reading them. It makes him feel better, frankly. <laughs> yeah, all warm and fuzzy. Yeah, Mr. Warm and Fuzzy. All right, everybody, uh, we'll be back for 71. And again, we'll have Olympic hero Jim Craig on the next episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. In the meantime, enjoy your hockey.